Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're talking about the Bad Batch Episode 9 with Riki and Sarah Hayashi. All that and more after commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back, I'm Matthew, your host. And um, for those of you who've been fans of the podcast for a while, you should know that Riki and Sarah Hayashi have been... Very regular guests. They were co-hosts with me on the uh, all the episodes about the Clone Wars, as well as popping into some of the movie podcasts and things like that. We wanted to get them on to get their take on Bad Batch so far, especially as uh, Ricky just mentioned to me, this is basically, you know, Clone Wars Season 8. So I'm uh, really excited to have you all back. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Fantastic. Nice. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Like I said, I uh, um enjoying this break because otherwise today is a day of landscaping work. So <laughs> this is a nice little excuse to uh take a break from that. Well, and so let's kind of jump right in. Um, you know, I know you I've been chatting a little bit with you all off air, but this is my first time having you on the podcast to talk about um the Bad Batch. I think Sarah, you were on one or two of the earlier episodes, I think. Am I Yeah, I think season or sorry, season episode 3 I was on one, but yeah. That sounds right, yeah. Uh, and Riki, we haven't had you, you on at all. So for both of you, how are you liking the show so far? What are kind of your overall thoughts? Well, I, like I said, it's basically Clone Wars Season 8, and I enjoyed that series, especially towards the end. Uh-huh. Um, so really enjoying this. Um, this is my favorite period of kind of extended Star Wars media stuff, like mm-hmm. in between the movie series where... We really get to find out more about how the Empire was created or how it established itself in the galaxy and became the juggernaut that it does at the beginning of A New Hope. So right. there's there's been some of that, maybe not enough for my taste, but mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get more. And, and like going forward in terms of Star Wars media, I think we're going to get a lot more of this. And I'm really just looking forward to absorbing it all. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I like I like it. Um, I don't know if I love it, um, mm-hmm. but I'm still like every Friday. I'm definitely looking forward to watching mm-hmm. it. Um, I think I'd place it somewhere between like Mandalorian season one and season two. Or like I like it more than season two, but not as much as season one, and not mm-hmm. as much as like Rebels, but maybe more than the earlier seasons of Clone Wars. Right, that makes sense. I I feel like I'm in kind of a similar place where. Riki, I definitely agree with you. This is such an interesting time. And um, we actually were talking on a recent episode about how I kind of wish that we were getting a little bit more of the Empire stuff. You know, I, I, I'm so fascinated by this story of Tarkin and Crosshair and the decision to move away from clone troops to using regular troops. And I, I want to see more of that. But I've really loved getting to see, you know, the way that people on all these far-flung planets are thinking of, oh, the Empire is, you know, taking care of us. They're dealing with all the chaos. This is good. You know, I think it's very easy to see when I'm five years old and I'm watching Star Wars, the idea of this galactic empire that just rules everyone by, you know, utter fear and intimidation. It's like, oh, of course that makes sense. I kind of feel like as I've gotten older, I've had to more understand that even things like that, like you need to have some people who genuinely think, often because they're deluded or because they've gone through so much fear or whatever it is, that this is what they want, uh, even if they later realize differently. And in some ways, to me, that makes it even more terrifying watching the when we know what the empire is going to become, watching people get excited about, oh, we get we get new credits. This is also wonderful. We get law and order. This is great. And this is also 
we get to see the kind of third faction of Star Wars, as it's often called the scum and villainy faction. Yep. And how it is, you know, during the Republic era, the, they were definitely the bad guys because the Republic, you know, would, could, shouldn't deal with people like that. But here we see, you know, the Bad Batch not only deals with them, but joins them in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think we are going to see more of how that faction aligns with what is going to become the Rebel Alliance. Right. That, that's a story I want to hear more of. Uh, I, I made a joke in a recent episode that under the Republic, it was kind of Gotham, you know, and that like the Cad Banes and the Hondos, they were the bad guys, but they also could do almost anything they wanted because the enforcement was fairly lax. I'm curious to see if we're going to get more stories about the Empire kind of cracking down on some of that. And, and that maybe, as you're saying, kind of making people be like, yeah, I don't like this Empire. What's this rebellion thing? Let's, let's talk to them. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I like that we've seen, like, Cad Bane. I hope we get to see Hondo. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting to see the shift from um, going from Clone Wars, where they were not directly, but uh, indirectly sort of puppeted by Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very least, like, Palpatine had them kind of in in line, sort of knew what was up with the bounty hunters, to now where, like, does Tarkin know what's going on with them? Um, I mean, like, it seems seems not right that he's got the Kaminoans underneath him hiring out bounty hunters so yeah interesting shift yeah I think the other thing I've been really enjoying about this and and we got something in this episode that kind of even drove this home which I really appreciated which we'll get to but I feel like I think the three of us talked about this a lot that during the Clone Wars some of our favorite episodes were where the Jedi were in the background where the clones really got to do clone things because it's very easy once, you know, the the super powerful space wizard with a laser sword shows up, you know, the, what the clones are doing seems kind of irrelevant. And I'm I'm really, and I think very much like the Mandalorian, I'm really enjoying that we don't have super powerful Jedi, you know, running around and, and kind of taking up all the oxygen in the room. Like, seeing the story about just these clones having to do what they do with the limitations they have, even though they're super badass, I, I'm just finding it to be a really compelling story. Yeah, um, especially like Vader has been very much put into the background. You know, Tarkin, mm-hmm. well, Vader and the uh, Emperor, and Tarkin is the primary villain of this piece. Um, right. and, and so you you all in the previous episode talked a little bit about Inquisitors mm-hmm. and whether they might show up and like when they're established. I actually read the comic book that establishes like when and how the inquisitors were created oh cool yeah, and please tell us. it's very odd like mm-hmm. i don't know if i buy into this timeline okay. but basically after uh darth vader becomes vader you know the mechanical body and the whole no <laughs> he goes out on a quest to create his new sith lightsaber mm-hmm. and then when he comes back from that quest the Emperor is like, now that you have your lightsaber, I want to show you something. Here are the Inquisitors. So oh, it's like Vader has no real hand in their creation at all. And it's the Emperor. And it seems like timeline-wise, he would have had to have been already doing this prior to basically Revenge of the Sith. Huh. Yeah. And like we, when, when Riki told me about this, we kind of had a little chat. And I was wondering if maybe originally the emperor had planned for vader to be an inquisitor first and then kind of promote him up but with like the death of dooku right like, scooted him up into like the, the second hand position 
quicker. But yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And that is, as you said, Ricky, I think we're going to get a lot more stories in this time period. I would love to get another story that's about that because to me that has so many interesting implications both for, you know, what does that mean for the rule of two? That they are training other force users in the dark side but that they're not officially Sith and how do they draw that line? As well as just, you know, obviously a later part of the story when we get to the original movies is this whole question of like recruiting Luke to join them and the question that, you know, Vader coming to, you know, think like, did does Luke join me so that we can overthrow the Empire Emperor and keep the rule of two? Is the Emperor wanting Luke to take Vader's place? Like there's just so much interesting stuff there based around can there only be two? And if we do have this idea that there can be Inquisitors, you sort of wonder like, okay, well actually how does that A, how does that affect everything for the, you know, New Hope storyline, but also why weren't there Inquisitors running around by the time of New Hope? You know, why did that program go wrong? To, to me, there's just so much interesting stuff there that I'd love to... I know I just said I, I, want to, I like stories about non-Force users, but that I think would also make for really rich storytelling. Yeah, and the, the Inquisitors are sort of like an interesting uh, like sub-aspect of Force users, I guess, as well. Mm-hmm. It fills in some gaps in terms of, like, were all the Jedi wiped out? The answer is no. Right. And, like... Did some of them turn to the dark side? The answer is yes. And, and exploring that nuance, I think there are interesting stories to tell. And it for could sure. also establish, like like you said, a better rule set for what it means to be a Sith as right. opposed to a you know dark Jedi or a dark you know Force user. Right. So I, I think if they are able to establish like a rule set of beliefs and or powers that specifically Sith have... That could help to, you know, fix yeah. some of these problems we have with the rule of two. Right. I, yeah. I think that could be really interesting. Or there could be something about, like, that the Inquisitors is something they kind of try and then realize, like, isn't working. And that's why they kind of go back to it being just the rule of two by the time of the new movies. As well as the fact of, you know, from everything I know about the Sith, being confused that they're not, like, legalistically exactly following their rule is kind of the whole point of the Sith is that they don't do that. So, like, the idea of the rule of two being something that's kind of observed in the breach, but actually people are breaking it right, left, and center, I mean, that's, I think that's also an interesting way that the story can go. Yeah, and, like, I kind of thought we were going to get Inquisitors in, I mean, episodes, like, seven and eight when they, uh, the, the batch were on Bracca, because mm-hmm. that's the planet from Fallen Order where we see some Inquisitors show up, um, obviously later, than this um but not much later five years ish um but then yeah then we got uh cad bane swooping in and running off to a to a different planet so Mm -hmm. kind of pulled away from that but i do like that well at least one of the bounty hunters from clone wars and then another one from mandalorian are making an appearance definitely yeah so let's actually talk about the episode in (laughs) question (laughs) yeah so what'd you think of this episode overall this is fantastic. I, yeah. I, I keep using that word, but this was I, probably my favorite episode so far of The Bad Batch, so I'm glad that I get to be here to talk about it. Yeah. It establishes like so much more of the bigger universe, like we're talking about, of scum and villainy, getting to see Cad Bane doing his thing mm-hmm. again, even though, what's up with his hat? It's slightly smaller right? and I'm very upset. <laughs> I'm an inverse proportion of upset to how much his hat has shrunk. 
I mean, fashion changes over the years. We've had like 15 years since we saw him in. Actually, no, it's not been that long. But you know, we've no, it's actually much shorter than that. Yeah. But you know, still, fashion changes. He's on the run. Maybe he got a new kind of hat. Yeah, um, and we did see some episodes in Clone Wars of him trying on a variety of hats. But yeah, I was when we uh, last episode when we first got that shot of him. I was like, your hat is not big enough, sir. <laughs> I think one of the things I liked most about this episode, there was so much I did, but is that we. There's a, a trend that we see a lot. I'm actually going to talk about this in the TV show Loki um, later tonight when I record on that uh, on Sunday, here Sunday night, although I think this episode may go up Monday. You know, WandaVision did this. A lot of things did this trend of when you have a bad person, but you want to show that they're not as bad, you have them fight someone worse. And there's a part of me, like, I, I got spoiled that Fennec Shand uh, was going to be in this. Because actually, I did, uh, I actually didn't see this episode till this morning because I had just a lot going on. But, so I got spoiled that Fennec Shand was in it. And at first I was like, are they going to try and make Fennec Shand kind of the, the good person because she's not as bad as Bane and she's kind of helping? And so the fact that she showed up and the first thing she did was kill the Kaminoan, who, granted, is not a good person by any means, but it... It really kind of emphasized for me, like, this isn't Fennec Shand wanting to help Omega because she's sort of feeling all these good feelings. This is just two bounty hunters who are both out for a good payday, both trying to get paid and fighting with each other. And I I just really appreciated that because it felt much more true to this world of scum and villainy rather than having one of them all of a sudden, you know, have this hero turn and have the heart of gold or some nonsense like that. Oh, see, I don't know. I thought that, like... She did in a way. Like, I, I, I mean, it could have just been her trying to get Omega to come with her. But, like, saying, you know, I'm, I'm looking out for you. I genuinely want, mm-hmm. like, I, I'm trying to help you here. Like, I, I believe that's what she was doing. And, yeah, like, she's doing it for a paycheck. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, we know that later she, like, meets up with um, Boba Fett. Right. Who is another one of these, like, pure pure clones of Django Fett. So, I don't know. Like, I do think she's got some redeemability about mm-hmm. her. Well, she's just, like you said, she's just in it for the, the payday. But the origin of that payday is, uh, see, I've already forgotten the names, Nala Say, right? Yeah. The scientist, the female right. Kaminoan scientist, who her motivations are to save omega's life right and keep her away from kaminoa because the the prime minister lama su just wants her genetic material and to get rid of her so nala say actually cares about omega as a person right definitely. and so that's that's translating to fennec shan's motivations to keep her alive and that was one thing i wasn't quite clear on nala that the the Kaminoan who was killed by Fennec Shand is a third person, right? It wasn't yeah. either Prime Minister or the one who's trying to keep Omega alive. Yeah, it's Tonway, a third okay. Kaminoan, yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought, okay. Right, because Lama Su is maybe getting suspicious of Nala Se's mm-hmm. motivations. Um, so when she volunteers to take the payment, he's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to send this other person to right. redshirt it up. Yeah, <laughs> which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I, I have to say that reveal also I absolutely loved in terms of why the Kaminoans wanted Omega because I don't know what you all had thought. I hadn't really known what Omega was. There's a lot of theories going around. But one of the theories I know that had been going around was that this was like an early Palpatine clone or an early attempt at cloning Force-sensitive people or something like that. 
And I found I really didn't like that, in part because of all the stuff we're talking about, about this not, or that I've been talking about, about this not being all that force users. Um, did you have any of that same kind of thing? Of like, like I, you know, I, I, I want to know more about Omega, but I felt really happy knowing that the reason they want Omega is because of her having kind of the original genetic material and they want to be able to make new clones again rather than it being her being this you know super duper duper clone that they want to keep or her being a force sensitive clone or something like that what would you all think of that reveal yeah um so i i always thought that she was a, a Django clone of some sort i thought she maybe had been modified in some way i wasn't super comfy with her being like the pure form of Django because it felt like there's something a little icky feeling about like the light-skinned blonde-haired girl being the purest form yeah that's been commented by a couple people online I think it's very true but yeah I I don't know I mean like it fits with the general trope of her being like the special one Mm -hmm. um that we get with kids but yeah I I don't know I guess I was hoping for something a little more um like different about her i don't know like they had done some modifications to her like they'd used some of the mutations from the bad batch and like put them all into omega or something like that right yeah well, I mean, sure. they, go ahead they haven't really established why Django fett's genetic material is so important hmm. right like okay he's the origin of all of the clone soldiers right but why why does that matter, right? Like, clone, the idea of cloning technology is that you take one person and you clone them and make hundreds or millions of them. But right. why is Django Fett so important in this process? Like, he was, like, chosen because of his combat ability and physical mm-hmm. prowess, right, to be this soldier prototype. But we they've established that the Empire wants to shut down this program. Mm-hmm. So you aren't going to necessarily be producing more clones unless that is the plan, unless maybe they need the pure clone material to produce a new army to have some kind of rebellion well, attempt. I, th- I think it's the opposite. Like they, they're, The material that the Kaminoans have is degenerating, so you can't like clone clones from other clones. Mm-hmm. Sentence. Um, <laughs> but I think they want to get rid of like Boba and Omega because they are like the purest form so that way they can't start up another like nobody else could start up another clone army if they axe omega and boba fett yes yeah go ahead the whole reason the kevin owens do this is business right like Mm -hmm. they are in the business of selling clones so if your primary customer is like we don't want these clones anymore why do you need that specific clone material for the thing that is no longer a wanted product. Yeah, you're like breaking the molds that nobody else can start See, selling them off to undercut I, you. I actually had a fairly different take. What what Ooh. I thought was happening, and this is also where I'm, I am, I wish we were getting more of the Tarkin discussions about, mm. you know, because we saw them use regular soldiers instead of clones, and the regular soldiers disobeyed, and clone, you know, Tarkin was obviously frustrated with that. And, my, and maybe I'm headcanoning here, I'm not sure, but, the way I read that was that at this point in the story, the Empire and Tarkin are still not sure what they want to do. And the Prime Minister still thinks there's hope of convincing the Empire to, to continue buying, to basically buy a whole new clone army. And so that's why they want the material to be able to be like, you know, we want to make our best pitch. Like, mm. we want to keep your business. And 
because I certainly know, I, I think this was briefly mentioned in the Clone Wars, but I know it was also mentioned in uh, some of the Legends novels, uh, particularly, I believe, Republic Commando, which are not canon, but which many of the ideas of which have clearly been kind of carried over, uh, as well as in some of the other Legends canons. Yeah, that like the further away from the original source you get, you know, it's like making a, a copy of a copy of a copy. It's going to degrade. Uh, it did seem, I did have a little weirdness of like, isn't there some other like really good soldier? Like Django Fett's not like the one in 10 billion. You could find some other really great athletic person. Yeah, exactly. Like that's when they don't all look the same. That's my yeah. point is that you could have like Fennec Shand be the prototype of a new clone army mm-hmm. in right. theory. Yeah. So I, I think maybe what's missing for me is part of Tarkin's motivation for discontinuing the clone program. Like having some line about, well, like the newer clones are degenerating at a faster rate, so we don't want to pay you for these anymore. Oh, yeah. I think that could help. Yeah, I do. I just in general wish that we had, like what you guys have been saying already, wish that we had more Tarkin interaction. Because uh, I think that also meant that we would hopefully get more crosshair that I think we've been woefully lacking so far in this yeah. uh, in this series. But yeah, it, it is. I'm, I'm sure they'll. Well, I'm not sure that. I hope that they will like clear this up and, and come with some some reasoning. But yeah, I do. I, I like the idea of, of making making the pitch because they don't they don't just want Omega's genetic material. They want all of Omega alive. Um, so yeah, they clearly have some sort of plan with her that that is more than just let's take a blood sample. And Wait, didn't the mm, prime minister what... say the prime minister I thought said get the genetic material and then terminate her? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what Lama Sue wants. But Cad Bane said something about like you're lucky they want you alive. Until they can extract the genetic material. Mm, gotcha. So some, somehow science, you know, techno babble, if she shows up dead they at Kaminoa, like, th- it's too late. I see. Okay. Right. That makes sense. Which also kind of raises questions about how what they say of Palpatine was close. But and that, <laughs> I don't want to get into the science of that because it just makes no sense. Um, but yeah. I, science. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, I've got enough science techno babble to figure out time travel on Loki to, to worry too much about it here. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, and so on that same subject, though, so we went into a room that they said was like an abandoned facility of the Kaminoans, which was surprising because it clearly had a lot of like cloning, te- cloning technology happening and had, I-, I guess they were kind of defective clones. What did you see? Because what I, what I thought I saw was one clone that looked very much like a Kaminoan. And that's the one that kind of fell on Fennec Shand. It could be a Kaminoan. It could be kind of like a generic. Like it looked kind of like the, the you know, green, wide-eyed Martian from, like, you know, Aliens Are Watching Us kind of stuff mm-hmm. of, like, the 80s and 90s. But then I thought a different clone that we didn't, like, never, like, crashed out of the tube that looked to me kind of like like uh, something that could evolve into what we knew as Snoke. What, what did you all see in the clones there? <laughs> What did you think there? Uh, Supreme Leader Snoke confirmed. <laughs> yeah, I. So, the, so yeah, so they go to the planet Boravio, Boravio, um, which is yeah, yeah this it's like a, a separate, it's a different separate planet, planet right. separate cloning facility. Which again, yeah, seems like I don't know. They're downsizing. It, it's weird, um, but yeah, they didn't like go and take all their stuff. They just kind of left it lying around. I didn't think too much about the beings in the tubes other than like that's creepy and then like oh it fell on fennec shand that's extra creepy and kind of gross yeah i i um 
I thought that the body that fell out did look vaguely Kaminoan, although maybe the neck wasn't quite long enough. Right. Um, and ma- and maybe like that is a hint as to their origins, right? Like mm-hmm. their maybe their race themselves is derived from cloning technology somehow. Oh, that could be it. And that could point to their motivation for wanting this pure genetic material. Right. Maybe some somehow maybe Django Fett's genetic material made it more ideal for cloning in general, mm. not just because he was a uh, an excellent soldier. Right. So what if they need her material to continue to perpetuate their own race through yeah, cloning I mean, technology? It, it, yeah, it could be that they're clones or it could be the opposite of that they're they're not clones, but they've realized that they can't clone themselves, you know, that some of their early attempts were to clone other Kaminoans and that didn't work for some reason. I mean, there's so many yeah. different directions that could go. Like, these were clearly failed cloning experiments. So, right. I mean, either they were, like, early attempts and they hadn't perfected the cloning techniques yet, or, like you guys were saying, there is something, like, you, you require a certain type of right. DNA to do it. Which that, makes sense. That could also point to why Nala Say is so personally committed to Omega's safety, is maybe she has somehow infused her own genetic material into her and she's some kind of hybrid. Ooh, oh, so she's more like a more like an actual daughter. Yeah. Which, which would I mean not that a Kaminoan looks blonde and fair skinned, but would also at least maybe give a little more explanation why uh, a clone theoretically that's like, you know, directly from Django Fett looks so different than Django Fett. Yeah. 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 That would yeah. I I'm excited to see where this goes, especially because we were kind of saying with the Inquisitors that one of the, the I like so much about the prequels and so much about the Clone Wars and things like that. But but to me, it's the problem with any prequel is once you start introducing a lot of these things, one of the first questions is, well, where are they by the time you get to the next set of movies 20 years later? And in the same way that I've always kind of wondered if, if we have Inquisitors, why aren't they still running around by A New Hope? You do kind of wonder why aren't people using clone soldiers anymore? And I'm hope that I think it's one of the reasons why I want to see this Tarkin story is I I want to, you know, why isn't the Republic using them to like generate more soldiers? If they're if the Jedi if the I'm sorry why isn't the Rebellion since the Republic did? Mm. So I would I I would hope that either by the end of this or by the end of some other story, we get some reason why like, all sides have kind of agreed like we're not going to do any more cloning for a while, because um, yeah. it certainly seems like especially the way they talk about it in A New Hope that cloning is very much a thing of the past that doesn't happen anymore. So I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd love it if this story or maybe what the story is leading to, you know, just kind of answers that question a little more. That was that was something that the Legends canon did establish in a better way, I felt, was that, A, the clone wars themselves were normal people fighting against clones right? because the clones had gone crazy, like as a, as a race, mm. had kind of lost yeah. it and had become super violent. And that's why, A, they had to have these wars, and that's why, B, there aren't any clones anymore. Right. I mean, I, a thing that we talked about during the Clone Wars series a lot was this idea of, like, clones as commodities, um, especially, with, like, with the Kaminoans pushing for um, the Empire to buy... It wasn't the Empire, the Republic, to buy more clones, like as though they were tanks or, or stock or equipment. So I could see the Rebellion not using clones from this sort of moral standpoint of right. like, you know, they're they're living beings. We don't want to breed people for this. Um, but yeah, I think getting getting some more information on why Tarkin is also like pulling the Empire yeah. away from this. 
That, that actually supposed to make sense because I, I'm going to say this as vaguely as I can to not give spoilers. But we saw in Rebels that some of the people who were early involved in the forming of the rebellion were folks who were very uncomfortable with clone soldiers towards mm-hmm. the last years of the, of the Clone Wars. So that I think that's actually a really good theory, Sarah. I, I, the other thing I've been thinking about is, you know, we talked all the time about the, the interaction between the clones and the Jedi. And, and I've always kind of wondered if maybe one other reason why the clone... I, th- I think kind of the Timothy Zahn books kind of uh, established this idea is that to some level, like, you need Jedi, you need Force users to lead the clones. Um, you know, granted, the, the, the TV shows and the movies had a very different impression of clones than the uh, Timothy Zahn books did, because they're much these are much more, like, individualistic with sentience in ways I don't think some of the uh, Legends books had. But I, I, I do think that's another interesting thing of, like, maybe they realized that with the Bad Batch are kind of this weird thing, but with how conditioned they are, especially maybe after the chip, that they realize, like, without... Jedi, without force using leadership, the clones don't work. And that could be another reason why they all kind of gave up on them. Yeah, so this was a, basically a theory that force users could create like a collective consciousness mm-hmm. between troops. Mm-hmm. And because the clones were all the same, it made it easier to connect them all together right. via the force. Yeah. And it's I actually like the way that he wrote that, especially how... Um, it kind of <clears throat> explains the Battle of Endor, mm-hmm. that when the Emperor died on the Death Star, Ugh. like all of the Imperial troops like lost that connection, and that's why they became so scattered right. and, and couldn't beat the, the rebels, even though they had overwhelming military strength still. Yeah, since there were still like 100 Death Stars against maybe 30 Republic cruisers, like which never, that part of the battle was never shown. Yeah. And like the whole rest of the galaxy just decided like, oh, Empire's over. We all yeah. got the memo. Yeah, just like they they all kind of like lost the will to fight because the Emperor was providing that will through the dark side. Yeah. yeah. And I guess like the whole galaxy thing is a is a new release Lucas edition. It was just like Endor yubnubbing it up in the original, right? I yes, the yub, celebration makes no sense. Yubnub, yeah, yubnub now, yubnub tomorrow, yubnub forever. You know? right. like I am, uh, I, I'm referencing a as phrase, and I'm trying to reclaim it, but by my apologies for that phrase use. But like, yes, always yubnub. Um, yes, Yusa are not free just because the emperor died one day ago. Yeah. Oh dear. We actually did a great episode a while ago with um, Becky Allen. And uh, they had some really great things to say about the whole great man of history idea and how, like, you know, in our own world, we're often sewing that, like, it's not, like, great men. You know, that movements often start without just one person. And I've often thought there's kind of a, a villain corollary to it, uh, both in fiction but also in our own real world. You know, it's like, let's get rid of Jeff Bezos and everything will be great. You know, no, there's a vice president of Amazon who's going to do the exact same thing. You know, get rid of the emperor and there's probably some other you know, second in command who's going to do the same thing. I, I, it was one of the things I was so most excited. I've talked about this before, so I won't go into it more, but like that I was so excited for The Force Awakens was to get more of that story of, okay, the Emperor's dead, the Republic is taking over, but what are all the problems of the Republic taking over? Because it's not easy to just snap your fingers, kill one person, and everything goes back to normal. Um, yeah. But of course, yeah, like get... it, there's so many examples in history of like toppling dictators and then just creating power vacuums and not actually like dismantling. Right those systems yeah. yeah 
I, I might suggest a moment in fairly recent history of a well, fairly know. awful leader being removed from office, but things not getting magically better. Mm-hmm. Um, any random thing. I'm not referring to anything specific, of course. Um, but let's get back to the actual episode. So, so we talked about Omega and that whole storyline and, and the Fennec Shand of it all. I, for you all, especially as my folks who were talking, I was talking all through the Clone Wars, how have you felt both last episode and this episode about Cad Bane being back? Other than his hat. We, he needs a bigger hat. We get that. But beyond that, <laughs> how do we like the Cad Bane Western of it all? So good. His his voice feels different. Yeah. So and that could just be the actor aging. Right? Yeah. We I after the first the previous episode, I looked it up and I was like, they got a different voice actor, but it's the same guy. Yeah. And Corey, he sounded more Cad, Burton. Cad Bane-y this episode than previous. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't the most thrilled that Toto is still palling around with him. Mm-hmm. Um, That's, yeah. Poor Toto. Well, this is the Cad Bane's companion droid. Yeah. yeah, who just like takes a lot of abuse from Cad Bane and kind of acts like comic relief, but not, uh, I don't know, not in a charming or fun way, mostly just in an annoying way, and in this my is, opinion. Yeah, this has been a long-going trope for these characters. Uh, Cad Bane literally blew Toto up in maybe his first episode mm-hmm. right like just rigged him with explosives and blew him up as a distraction to get away and then i guess has rebuilt or has a different model programmed right. in the same way yeah i i had a lot of rough feelings about that i mean a because i'm you know an amputee who's lost my leg and so some of that mm. stuff kind of hit home in some odd ways mm-hmm. so well, i thought they did it in a nice way of like especially the whole like let me do it myself um kind of thing that was something i, I actually kind of really related to for a moment there and it's funny because we talked a lot during the Clone Wars about how the droids were often treated terribly, but in a way where we, the audience, were not supposed to have any sympathy for them. We were just supposed to think their suffering was hilarious. Now they're trying to show us their suffering and have us be sympathetic to their suffering, but nothing's getting any better for them. And I'm sort of like, I I know I wanted this, but this is worse in some ways. Um I definitely really hoped there was going to be a moment where Omega sort of helped Toto to see that this is not a good situation. And then Toto kind of wanted to help Omega. And granted, Toto was like touched by Omega in terms of like her, her caring for him, even though she also like, you know, then used him to get away herself. But when Toto was just still so loyal to Cad Bane, I was like, ah, oh, this is just like, I get breaking cycles of abuse is hard, but this is hard to watch. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would have loved Omega acting as like his savior in that role either. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if that would have been worlds better. Um, but yeah, I just, um, yeah, Toto is so clearly mistreated, but he's also like not. I don't know. I didn't find him extraordinarily sympathetic. I just found him, I don't know, more. This, like, not really comic relief, comic relief character. Yeah. I guess that's what they kind of mean. is They they started introducing enough of the emotion stuff that it became even harder for him to be comic relief, but they also didn't pay that off in any way. Yeah. And, like, this isn't... They haven't set up Bad Batch to be a show that has a character like Toto acting as comic relief. Like, I could see them bringing in Hondo, sort of like kind of how Sid is almost this, like... Mm -hmm ne'er-do-well part of gold kind of funny situation oh you do you feel that way about sid yeah yeah do you not like sid i definitely not in that part way of gold. yeah she's just in it for the money is that you I, I feel like sid represents 
the Bad Batch are definitely their own people and they march to their own drummer. But to me, they're not scum and villainy yet. They are still like they believe that they are doing good and they are fighting for good causes. And, and what I got is that part of their struggle is that they don't know what the good cause is anymore. Mm. To me, Sid represents like they could become scum and villainy. They could become bounty hunters and the like. But Sid being so clearly, you know, not immoral, but amoral, just like, I don't care what, you know, if we're delivering babies to be baby animals to be slaughtered or, you know, these things to people. I don't ask questions. I just take the check. So to me, that I, I think she's quite funny, to be sure. But I, I, I thought she was this really wonderful, subtle representation for the Bad Batch of like, this is the road you'd be going down. Do you want this? Hmm. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I believe Sid would 100% betray the Bad Batch for the right price. But, like, mm-hmm. so would Hondo. But Hondo often ended up doing the right thing. Yeah, like, Hondo Even would never though fully it was... betray Ezra. Hondo would never... Hondo often would sort of be grumpy about it, but also, you know... Wanted, he'd want to do the right th- he would want to save our heroes and then steal something from our heroes to feel like he got paid for it yeah I guess and I mean like there was we did sort of talk about how off character that episode where he like kidnapped a bunch of children and planned yeah. on murdering them was but yeah I, I guess okay I see what you're, where you're coming from but I think my, my point is that Toto is none of these things. He's just like, he's he's pseudo battle droid. In, in Clone Wars, mm-hmm. he was that thing that you were talking about, Matthew, where he was just supposed to like be blown up and Pratt fall and we were all supposed to laugh at him. Um, and they've tried to bring that same attitude into Bad Batch and I just don't think it fits here. Yeah. I think it's fair. I think this is kind of trying to be a mature... You know, we don't have battle droids Roger Rogering all over the place. We don't yes. have. This does feel like a more mature, more in depth kind of like no one is two D anymore. Um, I mean, quite literally, but also in terms <laughs> of like the animation being so much better. But also in terms of like characters aren't written so like one dimensionally. Um, so yeah, I I, I think that, I think that tracks. Yeah, but I also like. I mean, I think Cad Bane fit in perfectly wonderfully, especially with the whole like showdown shootout between him oh. and fennec shand the oh. western music that whole thing oh yes. the, the, yeah i more than the other episode but yeah this one as well it was just those little scenes of his hand like going closer and closer towards the blaster it was, it was just so well done yeah yeah and like this whole episode the animation on the planet with that fog mm. just creeping in everywhere mm. was beautiful yeah yeah yeah, I, I was very, very impressed with the animation. With it. I, I just was overall impressed with the episode. Like I, It's funny. I, I think I've enjoyed the show. I feel like I enjoyed it a lot more earlier, and my excitement about it has faded a bit, in part because I, I really want the Tarkin story, and we're not getting it. And I think last episode I was so excited to get that. We didn't get any like crosshair backstory. And I feel like I'm still very excited for this whole show to exist. But to me, it was fairly telling that it was like it was Thursday night at about 1.30 a.m., which for me, central time means that the Bad Batch was going to premiere in half an hour. And I was fairly tired. And I thought, you know what? I'll just go to bed. I can watch it later. And then Friday, I got pretty busy and I kept thinking like, oh, maybe I could make some time. No, I'll, I'll get around to watching the Bad Batch. And I thought it was kind of telling for me that I like with Mandalorian, I would never have let an episode go that long. I would need to see it right now. And I think part, part of that's that, but also because I'm not seeing as much buzz about this show. Like, I'm, mm. there are people talking about it, but like in, in our Strand and Panna chat group, 
we're not getting anywhere near as much discussion of it as we did about Mandalorian. And I, I hope people are watching the show because I think it's very good, but I am, I was feeling kind of a lull about it. And now I'm much more like, okay, I need to know what happens next, you know? Yeah. I guess like I feel similarly about not, not feeling as pressing a need to watch it. Like I think we've, we've watched all of them Friday night. We watched one of them Friday morning. (laughs) Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, we've watched them all on Friday, but I haven't felt this, like, as soon as Riki's home from work, it's time to turn on the TV and watch Bad Batch. We usually, like, after dinner, we'll, we'll turn it on and watch in the evening. Um, and, like, I guess we did the same thing with Mandalorian, but with Mandalorian, I felt like I had to completely forego social media until I'd seen right. the episode of Mandalorian. Otherwise, something was going to get spoiled for me. Whereas, like, Bad Batch, I'm freely trawling around on facebook for most of the day (laughs) it's funny uh within the stranded panda group we've actually imposed a uh pretty strict no spoilers that you can't say anything you have to nest any comments about spoilers for the first 48 hours after something comes out and i sometimes forget that the rest of the internet's not like that and so i'll be like oh i'm fine and then someone else on a different thing spoils something i'm like oh no you don't have the same spoiler warnings we do (laughs) well twitter is terrible for this because oh, yeah. um, the trending bar on the side will just have full-on spoilers, like, in a in a word or a name. Right. You know, like, when Ahsoka Tano appeared on uh, The Mandalorian Season 2, that, that was in the sidebars, like, and it was Friday, so I was like, oh, well, I guess this is the episode where Ahsoka is going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this week was interesting because Boba Fett was trending. So I was oh, actually yeah. expecting Boba Fett, but they only name Boba Fett. But that it's st- we could still get Boba Fett because one of the things that I was reading was that in uh, season seven of the Clone Wars, Dave Filoni had wanted to have a showdown where Boba Fett defeats Cad Bane and kind of establishes that he's the new best bounty hunter. Mm. So oh, I think we could get some kind of showdown like that. Um, and establish, you know, the the new Boba Fett legacy because he needs something to become the Boba Fett that we know by Empire. Yeah, like right. I, we, I think we're definitely seeing Boba Fett in this series. Yeah. in some way. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even thought of <laughs> seeing Boba I Fett, but yeah, that'll be certainly a thing. It, it's funny now that I've taken a couple classes in like how to market podcasts and things like that. I've learned so much about like the way. Unfortunately, it's encouraged that people, like, if there's just a tiny sliver of a connection to a very popular hashtag, you put the hashtag in just to, like, get the extra hits, you know? So <laughs> come to not pay attention to, like, what the trending hashtag is. But, yeah, it's – I don't go on – if there's something I haven't seen yet that I don't want to get spoiled on, I just don't open up Twitter, which is too bad because mm. I like the platform. But mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's, like, I just barely use Twitter, so I'm not, like, worried about getting spoiled over there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, and, and Facebook, too um, – most like my friends list is fairly limited and i know that like if i were to be spoiled it would be from like a news article or something like that right um whereas mandalorian i thought that was like a very real chance and yeah bad batch i don't feel like that's as big a chance and i wonder if it's because there's like just more episodes of it like Mm -hmm. it's a more traditionally length television series or what like there's not as much of a sense of urgency as like every little detail matters like with wandavision or something like that yeah it's because the other shows so the mandalorian but especially this year wandavision and loki really play off of the whole jj abrams mystery box Mm -hmm. yeah type of tv show 
where like they give you some hints at something but that's like what what does this mean and you know everyone lost their minds over mephisto theories during wandavision (laughs) and so now there's been kind of a pullback of like let's not go too deep into all this but there's still people out there talking about you know kang the conqueror on loki because we know that kang's going to be a character in the mcu going forward soon and this show is about time travel so it's like why not kang And, and you know this is something we've been talking about a lot on on other episodes of this show this feel, it, this is an episodic television show in a way that a lot of those others are. You know that there's often a th- this episode was more like a main plot, but like a lot of the episodes have really been like you know monster of the week, you know, pl- challenge of the week, while dealing with a little bit of the uber plot. And I really enjoyed it. But I think you're right. I think that's also part of why I don't feel as much of a like I must know because it's not you know the, the, those mystery box things. It is a single story in eight chapters in a way that this doesn't feel like it's quite that. Yeah, and there's not like the sense of like, oh, Cad Bane's finger wiggled twice, and that's a reference to some obscure comic book. Oh, gosh, where yeah. Blah 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 blah. Well, yeah. it's hard. It's hard to have a mystery box with this show because there's no mystery. Like yeah. we know we the know end point. Yeah. We know what the Star Wars universe will look like ten years from this. Right. So as you said earlier, Matthew, there can't be like this huge like galaxy shaking revelation because the galaxy didn't shake from yeah. this or we would have we would have heard about it yeah i think that's a really good way to put it well we've gone on for a little while um uh so i want to kind of wrap up is there any other last things about this episode or about the show in general that you all wanted to comment on that we haven't gotten to i um i did sort of want to briefly talk about the relationship between hunter and omega especially mm. at the end when they get mm-hmm. reunited um but she when she calls for the bad batch honda was taking her to this planet she's escaped but he's still chasing her down um she uses, she activates the communicator and I think just says like Hunter I need you yeah um which yeah and then when they get back I mean Wrecker's the first one that she sees but like she immediately goes and like hugs Hunter and so I feel like they're really establishing this sort of like father daughter kind of relationship mm-hmm. um which is really nice to see it's really cute and sweet I I like that a lot because the Wrecker connection with her was really nice and like made that episode where record turned for a few moments really powerful hmm. but yeah it, i didn't want it to feel like there's wrecker and omega and then the rest of the bad batch and so seeing her like have because she certainly was very excited to see wrecker again but also yeah having her that different relationship with with him i thought was so good yeah wrecker is like the kooky older brother mm-hmm. who she can like eat very expensive not quite popcorn with Right. Um, and like goof around with and then yeah Hunter is being yeah. developed as this paternal figure and so I'm, I'm interested also to see like how her relationship builds with the other members of the batch as well Definitely. well folks thank you so much it's been so good to have you both back here um, I know we're going to get started pretty soon you're going through a move so we're going to let you have some time <laughs> to figure that out but once you're back we're going to start recording episodes on Rebels which I'm really looking forward to and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll get you back at least one more time for uh, bad batch stuff. I just want to say thank you again so much for being a part of this. It was great to kind of get to hear your thoughts on this, and I'm, it just makes me all the more excited to dive into Rebels now. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thank you. All right, and to all of our listeners, thank you all so much. We'd, as always, love to hear your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at the Ethical Panda. You can email us at theethicalpanda@gmail.com. We've been getting more emails. It's really great. We should a feedback episode for Ethical Panda. We'll do kind of feedback on Bad Batch as more comes in. Definitely find us there. Uh, I'm doing a lot more on stream now uh, on twitch.tv at The Ethical Panda. One thing I'm doing is that every – I'm going to try try to 
Every Sunday night, we're going to do our, the recording of Superhero Ethics at 8 p.m. Central on Twitch. So you'll still get it as a podcast, but you can watch it live and take part in the Twitch stream and ask questions and things like that uh, and participate live. Uh, and then it'll go into, I'm also doing poker streaming, where I'll, I'll play some poker and talk about it, but also, you know, talk about Loki or Star Wars or, you know, whatever's the topic of the day. Uh, and so that's going to be a lot of fun. So it, uh, Sunday nights at 8, not all the time, depending on scheduling, but, but at least hopefully half or two-thirds of the time will be the um, uh, Superhero Ethics recording. And then Sundays at 9.30 Central and also Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 o'clock Central, I'll be doing the the poker and, where's like poker and chatting about something else. So please check all of them out. Please check out all the other podcasts. Check out all the other great podcasts on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network that we're a proud member of. And more than anything, have a great day. Omega? <laughs> I don't know. There's no Kenobi.